and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things premium cigars. We're going to talk about reviews, industry news, and a little bit of everything else. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman, and I am joined, as I will be always, by Shane Reeves. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing tonight, Trey? You know, it's another warm night in Tennessee. I can't complain one bit. This January has been unseasonably warm, and it's been wonderful for my cigar smoking. I have enjoyed more cigars this January outside than I think I ever have before. So as we start the show, let's start at the basic. What is a premium cigar? What exactly are we talking about when we talk about a premium cigar? For me, it has to be hand-rolled. Hand-rolled is very important to me. Uh, Machine-made, your Swisher Sweets and your Black and Milds, they're all machine-made. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them necessarily, but for the experience of really enjoying a cigar, I want to go hand-rolled and I want to see it made by an artist. And the, the artisan qualities to premium cigars is really part of the story to me. I enjoy everything about the cigar industry and the culture and the community, and part of that is the labor intensity that goes into a hand-rolled, hand-processed, you know, doing it the hard way. Well, it's hard for me to imagine because I sit here holding this cigar. It's, you know, five inches long, almost an inch thick, and if you hold tobacco seeds, it's like holding sawdust, and to go from sawdust to something this good just is amazing to me. Have you ever had the opportunity to do a factory tour? We've done tours with the barn smokers that Drew Estate does, and they actually take us through all the steps there at the farm where they're growing the tobacco and walk us through stripping it, walk us through hanging it. One of the things I think that defines a premium cigar is it is 100% tobacco. Right. There's no, you know, they talk about filler, but that's that's still tobacco. It's not like cigarettes where the filler can be rat poison and, and sawdust and all kinds of other stuff. Also, the premium cigar is fermented. They have a certain amount of time which they're put up and actually allowed to age and fermentation occurs. Which is why they age so well in your humidor. And some of my favorite cigars are actually ones that... Back when I was living in Texas, there were some shops that would do hand rolls in the shop, and it was just whatever they felt like rolling that day. But the same thing, you always had to let them sit for six or eight months or so. But but the ones we're smoking tonight aren't that way. They're ready to go right now. What are you going to enjoy with us? Tonight, I'm going to be smoking a Hoya de Nicaragua. It's the Cabinetta. It's one of their newer cigars. They just released it in 2011, 2012. So by the time it actually got to the shops, it was closer to 13 or 14. The Hoya Cabinet is a Nicaraguan cigar. It's a Nicaraguan binder, a Nicaraguan filler. What I'm smoking tonight is the Toro. It's five inches long. It's a 52 ring gauge. And just one of my favorite smokes to really enjoy. It retails at about $5, $6 each. Yeah, Hoya de Nicaragua... They put out the Hoya Red, the Hoya Black, and the Hoya Cabinetta in the last few years. And the Hoya Red's kind of the medium. The Hoya Black is the really heavy, dark version. And this Cabinetta seems to fall right in between those two. And I, I apologize if you said it and I missed it. What wrapper does that have? It has a Nicaraguan wrapper. Nicaraguan wrapper. Okay. Uh, the spice and the flavor that you get on Nicaraguan tobacco is so, so good. Nicaragua has some of the greatest soils in the world, and they've really taken care of their soils. The influx of American and European cigar retailers going to Nicaragua for, let's face it, the inexpensive labor, Mm -hmm. has really helped elevate their tobacco crops. 
Well, that's fantastic. And what are you going to have tonight? I am actually branching out from my typical flavor palette of, of Nicaragua, and I am actually going to be smoking the Chapter One by La Flor Dominicana. This is a cigar that I've been smoking ever since it came out. Uh, La Flor does the chisel shape better. Well, I think they're the only ones I've ever seen do it, but they certainly do a really good job. And so this was kind of not really the sequel, uh, but this was kind of a follow-up to their double arrow chisel that came out, uh, with, and they just knocked it out of the park. Uh, one of the things that's great about Florida Dominicana is that theirs is a Puro as well, so it's all Dominican tobacco. But the amount of lajero that they use gives it that body and that that flavor that you really expect out of uh, a really complex and flavorful cigar this is a little little bit more expensive in about the $12 retail range it's not I don't usually go up that high, uh, but I was in a shop today, and I have not seen this cigar in a couple of years, and I just had to have it. Now, what is the difference in a chisel and a torpedo-shaped cigar? So a torpedo, if you think about the shape of a torpedo with a conical nose, the the head of the cigar is fully conical, whereas the chisel is flat, kind of like a platypus bill, if you will. In, in fact... One of my favorite ways to enjoy this cigar is with a V-cutter. And, of course, Calibri makes the best one because it's so clean. And it, the, the shape of this cigar can actually handle that lighter because it's so sharp and does such a good job. But cutting it on the on long ways so that it really looks kind of like a platypus bill. Uh, and I'll put a picture up so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But uh, it, it's my favorite way to enjoy this cigar. Which is actually the cut I put on this Cabinetta tonight is that... Deep V is V is what I call it. There's a lot of V cutters out there. The Zycar V cut, um, to me, is not as deep as I like it. There are a lot of people that really enjoy having um, just the cover scratched off. They don't actually want to get into any of the binder or filler of the cigar. So the Deep V may not be as good for them, but for me, 90% of what I smoke is going to come from a Deep V. Yeah, and for, for me, you get, by opening up the cigar a little bit more, I've actually smoked with some guys that basically just peel the, the cap off of this cigar. And that's, that's I've done that. It's really good. But I really want to give the entire size and breadth of the, of the cigar the opportunity for the flavor to travel down and really experience that over a, uh, over a greater surface area. That's just my preference anyway. That's a good light. I just lit my cigar. Y'all probably heard the butane blowing in the background. And there's something about lighting your cigar and just the relaxation of the process. From the moment you you get that first light on it, it just it tells you that you're setting yourself up for a great evening. At least that's how I feel. But so I can't help but notice you use a quad jet on your lighter. That's something that I don't really get into a whole lot. Is there a reason that that's your lighter of preference? Yes. Usually I find myself smoking a larger ring gauge cigar. I'm not much to smoke multiple cigars in a day's time. So a lot of time I'll smoke a larger ring gauge, a 60 ring gauge or better. And when we speak about ring gauge, a 60 ring gauge is one inch diameter and it goes down by one sixtieth of an inch from there or up. I didn't know that. I've smoked them as big as a 7 by 70 which would be 7 inches long, and 70 being an inch. And That's a monster cigar. 
Oh, just a huge cigar, and you can find some really good large ring gauge cigars. The problem is you can also find a lot that have just been fillered to death. Just big for the sake of being big. So I heard the ping. Mm-hmm. Is that an ST DuPont? That, that is indeed. Uh, this is my security blanket. This lighter goes everywhere with me. Um, similarly, I also smoke some bigger ring gauges like you do. Not quite as big as 60s, but for me, I I like the soft flame. And, you know, lighters for me really... Those are the two basic categories to start. You've got the soft flames and the jets, uh, not to be confused with the sharks and the jets. <laughs> and uh, I like the soft flame because you get the fuel efficiency of a single jet, but you get all of the coverage of a triple or quad torch. And when you light your cigar, you should hold the cigar above the flame mm-hmm. and draw the flame into it naturally. Don't jam it down right into the head of it. You shouldn't be roasting the wrapper of your cigar at the same time. The goal is a good, cool smoke that you can just enjoy at your leisure. It should almost smolder. And I'll tell you what, you know, I've I've been working in cigar shops and around for years, and it never fails. You'll always see someone go into a shop and house lighter usually and just jam the end of it straight down into the jet so that all of that first light soot and ash is falling right down in the jets it's uh, it's not necessary plus you know, the hottest part of that flame is actually above where you can see it so if we're dealing with an entry-level smoker someone who's just started the habit who just has began finding out what it is to enjoy a premium cigar what's the lighter they should look for if you ask me it's something economical because you're going to lose it until you get into a rhythm, like you have your case, right? You have your go bag. And I similarly carry the same two items with me. My, my Zycar cutter and my DuPont lighter go with me everywhere I go. And I like something a little heavier because I know if it's in my pocket, so I don't leave it at the bar. Uh, <laughs> but I would say something that you're not afraid to lose. But also, I would recommend starting in the twin jet range. There are a lot of great lighters that get overlooked because they're... Twin jets, because everyone thinks you need to go triple and quad. And most of the time, you're going to start with a Zycar. Zycar is world-renowned, one of the top cigar accessory producers. And they have great lighters in that $20 to $30 to $50 range pretty frequently. It's not hard to go find one. And they even have the twin jets that are side-by-side rather than both both, um, flat directional. Which gives you a more even light on your cigar. They do. And and you can even, you know, step down to like the Vertigos and the Lotuses and get them in the $15 to $20 range. In fact, as an entry, I will say Zycar makes the best cutters on the market right now. As for their lighters, especially for someone who's just getting into it, I'm going to say maybe more like a Lotus or a Vertigo, uh, just because you get more options in your price range. Now, I will say this about Zycar's lighters and all of their products, which is a lifetime unconditional warranty, which makes them actually a little bit more expensive, but you absolutely get what you pay for. When it breaks, you turn it in, they replace it, no questions asked. And from time to time, a cigar lighter will break. You'll have, there's a wire, the ignition wire that goes in them that if it gets damaged, makes it very difficult and it'll stop lighting. 
the biggest thing I think people believe they have a bad lighter and they actually don't is when they do not fill it properly with the butane. And that is the easiest thing you can do to keep a lighter working is there, there are two things. Use, well, three things. You can use good butane to start with. You, anything triple refined is plenty. That's going to be your Lotus, Calibrian, Zycar branded stuff. There's some companies out there making 99 times refined. It's, it's unnecessary. Um, but doing that but more importantly, bleed the lighter before you refill it. It was kind of a sad day this week in the cigar world. Dunhill, producer of quality pipes and tobacco and some of the greatest lighters ever, said they're out of the business. They're closing down. I actually hadn't heard that. They actually, There was an article on Facebook, and it was from Aficionado, and they spoke about Dunhill in the changing market has decided to step out and leave it to... The Calibris, the Zycars, the ST DuPonts of the world. Now, is is the pipe, I know this is a cigar podcast, but ha, is the pipe tobacco industry going to be regulated by the FDA the same way cigars are? Is that part of their reason? I do not know for certain. I don't believe it will because it is loose tobacco, but they may try to regulate the different blends that people release. We'll have to dig a little deeper into that, which this is a great time. If you've read an article and know the answer to that, how do you get a hold of us? Well, there's a couple of different ways. We are on all forms of social media, facebook.com slash thecigarcast, uh, at thecigarcast on both Twitter and Instagram, and also uh, the good old-fashioned email, which is info at thecigarcast.com. And that lets everyone get a hold of us and tell us about industry news you've learned. One of the more interesting things that happened this week when President Trump was in after his inauguration, he signed a very large bill stopping a lot of the regulations that are going through, a lot in the mortgage industry, a lot in the auto industry, as well as all of the FDA's restrictions on premium cigars. And I know that's something that even your casual cigar smoker is going to be really interested in right now. There's a lot of stuff going on with the regulation, but then on the other side is the possibility of getting Cubans back in the U.S. So it's really a great time to be a cigar smoker because there's so many... Now, it's nervous or nerve-wracking, but... There's a lot going on, and I haven't seen this much activity in the industry in probably about 18 years. And I think what I'm more interested in as it comes to the Cuban situation, the embargo being lifted, I'm more excited about seeing Cuban blends integrated into the lines of cigars we already love than I would be just having straight Cuban puros. Absolutely. I I could do an entire podcast on my feelings on Cuban cigars uh, at face value, basically being that I don't think they're worth it. I don't like them. It doesn't suit my palate. Mostly it's because the U.S. being the largest consumer of cigars in the world, when the embargo happened, all the talent left for the most part, with the exception of Bolivar and Cohiba for the most part. So it, it, it is going to be interesting to see the new world blending with the old world, so to speak, in that regard. And it is still a communist country, so I don't know how available those tobacco crops will be to other retailers. But I do think that Cuban cigars are going to find out that they're behind the times. They've been under a ecological as well as an economical drought 
in that country for so long that it's really affected the size of cigars that they can produce, the the quality as well. So hopefully the influx of American money to that part of the industry will see a little bit of a rebirth, which would be nice. So coming back to lighters, if I'm a veteran cigar smoker and I want the Cadillac, who do I reach for? S.T. DuPont all day long. And what makes S.T. DuPont the best? What makes that lighter light a cigar any better than any other lighter I can pick up? Uh, The short answer is because it's one of the few not made in China. The reason that's important is because you've got, with the S.T. DuPont, you've got a handmade product. This is, it uses higher quality materials. It is still made in France. And every single piece of the puzzle is put together by human hands. That allows for quality control on a greater level through all stages of the production, whereas some of your other lighters go pretty much down, you know, Henry Ford's factory line. It would be the difference in owning a Timex and owning a Rolex. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, there's something about being able to pull an SD DuPont out of your pocket when you're in a shop and just throw that and you know it's like moths to a flame when when veteran cigar smokers people that know they hear that ping and they go i know what that was now do most of the cigars that you smoke do you smoke them in a shop do you smoke outdoors where's your favorite place to smoke my favorite place to smoke is actually in my car and I, I know there's a lot of cigar smokers that haven't you know, crossed the bridge into being so much into the culture that they're willing to sully the resale value of their car to smoke in it. But for me, it's peaceful. I've been a cigar nut my entire, or I've been a car nut my entire life. And, you know, there's something about just getting on a windy back road on a beautiful fall or spring day with the windows down, the right music or podcast, and a great cigar. It just, that is my happy place. I've always been more of a shop smoker because I love a variety of cigars. I love to be able to see what's new in the humidor, what's just come in. And being exposed to the cigar culture has always been such a big part of the experience for me. It, you know, I I think probably the... One of the reasons for my difference is that I've worked in so many shops. So for me, going to a shop, I don't get me wrong, I definitely enjoy that experience, sitting down with buddies and sharing a drink and a cigar and stories and things like that is definitely a great part of enjoyment. But it's also, at a certain point, feels like going to work. It's always amazed me that I can be exposed to so many different types of people in the cigar store. It's it's definitely a place for all walks of life. You know, you're going to have the neurosurgeon sitting next to the plumber and they're going to have a commonality and be able to share experiences and stories. And, and these are two people that may not have ever had the chance to interact if it weren't for cigars. Universally across the board, I have found most cigar smokers to be gentlemen. Oh, absolutely. I think there's a certain... I, I think there's a certain reverence to the hobby that allows people to slow down and relax and also just the nature of smoking a cigar. It's not something you do while you're running, right? Yeah, it's a little difficult. (laughs) Breathing would be helpful during that time. I have done it. (laughs) I've always said I'd like to run a marathon with a cigar in my mouth just to see people walk by and give me that look. Yeah, but I've met runners. You would get more stink eye than you would anything else. Well, as we're in the shop, 
and as we're walking through, we're going to talk about some of the different types of people we encounter in a cigar shop. Um, one of my favorite people is the sports nut because I'm not a huge sports guy. I've always had such admiration for these people that can tell you who the runner-up to the Women's Field Hockey College National Championships were in 1986. I've, I've met these people, and they're, they're in pretty much every shop. If I have an hour to kill sitting around with a sports nut, I always come away knowing something. One person I almost never sit by in the cigar shop is the political nut. And this is... This is someone who obviously is is going to be willing to share those opinions on pretty much any subject and at any time, regardless of the appropriateness of, of the people surrounding. I always avoid those people like the plague. Well, now. it's funny. I actually used to be a regular at a cigar shop. I actually also worked there down in Atlanta called Wise Ash Cigars, best cigar shop in Atlanta, in Georgia. And in the mornings, there were these four old guys that would come in there every single day. They opened at 11. They'd be right there at 11.02. One of the guys was a just ideological left-wing liberal. The other two guys were real ideological right wings and they would sit together and have just really pleasant conversations. Occasionally it would get heated, but it, it, it was always really funny for me being someone who doesn't really enjoy that kind of conversation at all to be kind of the fly on the wall and see the shots fired across the bow on both sides. The only other person that I tend to avoid in the cigar shop is the faux cigar expert. There's always a guy in there who believes he smoked every cigar in the humidor and wants to give you a 15-minute dissertation on the cigar you've chosen to smoke. Now, I've actually kind of experienced a different side of that, which is I tend to notice that that guy is usually 20 years old or younger. This is the guy that just got into cigars, and so he spends all of his free time on Half Wheel or the Aficionado website or forums, big into the Twitter atmosphere, and he's just absorbing knowledge like a newborn suckling on the teeth. You know, he is just all about... And so anytime you start talking, he wants to tell you about the new thing he learned today. The person I fall into this category, I hope, is the true cigar nerd. I really enjoy understanding the cigar I'm smoking. I really enjoy talking to people in the humidor when they come in and they're looking for a smoke and asking them, well, what do you like? What do you enjoy about a cigar? What are you looking for in a cigar? The, the, pro, the problem I have, I, I definitely fall into this category. You and I both do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be devoting, you know, all of our time into doing a podcast on cigars if we didn't really love them and really just enjoy every bit of it. But I find with, and this happened to me today at a cigar shop, I stopped in to grab this chapter one and I stop in, my, my go-to cigar is the Tennessee Waltz. And so I walk in and grab one of those immediately and it's the cigar owner, it's the shop owner. And he walks in, he follows me in the humidor, what are you looking for? And I said, I got this, but now I'm looking for something else. And he's like, well, you know, full-bodied, and I was like, or he said, you know, about medium. And I said, no, I like full body. And he starts pointing out all of his full body cigars on the shelves. And it's like, all right, bud, like, whoa, 
slow down. I, I appreciate you're trying to sell product, and I appreciate you know your humidor. And if I'm looking for where something's located, and if I'm looking to try something new, that's great. But that unsolicited of, oh, you like full-bodied, try this, try this. I've smoked that, I've smoked that, I've smoked that, I've smoked that. So, you know, it's that the, I think there's a, there's a fine line between the person that can temper that advice giving and the person who can't. What I like to do, my wife and I, we go to cigar shops all over the country. We enjoy traveling. We enjoy doing the road trip. That's one of our favorite things to do. We don't have children. So we, we'll take a weekend and just go to Alabama or down to Florida. We drove to Florida just for the barn smoker when they released the Florida Sun Grown. But as I stop at cigar shops, I always have two questions I ask the person that follows me into the humidor, the employee there of the cigar shop. And I tend to rarely be disappointed when I ask these questions. The first question I always ask is, what do you have here that I can't get anywhere else? That is, that is also one of my go-to questions. And a lot of times cigar shops will have house blends. A house blend is always fun. I rarely go into a cigar shop with house blend that I don't just pick one up. Even if I'm not going to smoke it right then and there, I usually pick one up because I just like the different feel of the tobacco. I like to broaden my horizons. And that's that goes to my thing about being in a shop where they're hand-rolling in-house. That, to me, is I will, even if I go in there because I want X cigar, I'm always going to grab one of those if there's a guy rolling in-house just because it's... It's kind. Of, it's unique, and it's it's part of what makes that shop unique. And it's it's usually about the flavor and and the the taste of the person rolling it. And and I get great enjoyment out of that. Let's take a few minutes, take a break, enjoy our cigars, run a commercial or two, and come back and let's talk about a few more of the different people we've encountered in the cigar shop. I like the sound of that. We will be right back after this. The Cigar Cast presents Cigar Etiquette Tip of the Week. This week I want to talk to you about house lighters. Every cigar shop's going to have a couple of lighters up front for you to use. They provide this as a courtesy to their customers. Treat them as such. Don't stick the end of your cigar deep down into the lighter. There's usually an associate standing there who will be more than happy to light it for you. Use the lighter like it's being borrowed because it is. Don't carry it with you to your table. If you feel like you need to have a lighter with you for your whole cigar, every cigar shop in this country sells them. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, still sitting across from Trey Deadman. I haven't gone anywhere. And I'm about a third of the way into this Hoya Cabinetta, and it's just now got warm enough to really get good to me. I'm really starting to get the full flavor of this cigar and really enjoying that taste. There's a point in the cigar where it goes from that fresh light, that just almost nicotine hit. The first part of the cigar is not about flavor. It's about uh, taking a deep breath out and just being where you are but it's it's when you get about this point about 20 minutes in or so that you can really unwind and start to reflect on the cigar and figure out what it tastes like whether you like it or not that sort of thing well and i believe the physics of it the tobacco gets warm for me the tobacco starts unlocking the flavor of the blend when the cigar kind of reaches a uniform temperature 
I have a lot of times I'll meet people in the shop that'll give me a cigar. The cigar community's really generous and really loves to share a good cigar with one another. And I'll no more than get the end of it hot. And they'll say, how's that? Right. <laughs> the restaurant critic. <laughs> They're always there and they always want your opinion and... There's very few reasons I will smoke a bad cigar, and it seems like whenever I smoke a bad cigar, it's one someone has given to me. And they're sitting right there. <laughs> I don't have the heart to tell them, wow, this is the worst thing I've ever smoked. And you'll, and you'll get some dog turds that way. I mean, it, it, it's the nature of the beast, because if everyone's palate was the same, then they would only sell one cigar. And there are people out there who are one cigar people. I always call them the monogamous cigar guy. I envy this guy. He can walk into the humidor and find his cigar and be sitting down smoking it in just a few minutes of getting there. Guilty as charged. You could put me in the middle of stogies, spin me around eight times blindfolded, and I can find my cigar in seconds. And I keep go-to cigars. I keep cigars that, okay, I've had a long day. I don't want anything real heavy, so I'm going to go grab an Undercrown Shade. I have cigars that, okay, today was a great day. I've had a special occasion. I'm ready to lay out a few more bucks on a Padron. And just the variety of cigars is what I love. But the monogamous cigar guy, there's really nothing wrong with him. Well, and I've got a buddy of mine who jokes with me all the time because if he doesn't see me smoking the Tennessee Waltz with, you know, for a couple of days, it, the Dave Chappelle character, the the crack head, he starts jonesing and scratching and stuff. That's that's his reference to me because of how much I enjoy that cigar and how especially if I've had a long day at work and I just really want something I know is going to be fitting my palate that I'm going to enjoy from stem to stern. And I just, I hit it up every, probably once a day. You've spent a lot more time in cigar shops than I have. You've worked in the industry. I'm strictly a connoisseur. I've never worked in the industry. I've always been in the home building industry in one aspect of another. And cigars is really kind of a recent acquisition for me. I say recent, the last five years or so. Tell me some of the people you've met. So the first one, the first one that comes to mind for me uh, was a term that was coined in my current cigar shop, but he exists in all of them. And this particular guy we call the ear rapist. (laughs) And it's because if he gets you cornered, he will not stop talking to you about it starts with cigars it always starts with cigars but then it's whatever his hobbies are it's whatever uh he just stream of conscious comes to his mind and there's a lot of that in common conversation but i always try to not dominate a conversation and i think it's important you know like just etiquette of conversation in general is that if there's a conversation going on that you're not a part of, wait till you're invited in as opposed to butting in. And in the cigar shop, the cigar community is so open and welcoming that it's really easy to overhear something and want to jump in and and share your opinion and talk about it. But there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And there are people in the shop that understand that. The vast majority of people in the shop understand that. El Presidente does not understand it. I, I do. I do want to say one more thing, though, is that um, I just want a little top tip here. 
which because it, it leads into what you're talking about. If if there's one person to the problem is that ear rapist never knows they're the ear rapist. But if there's one thing to be cognizant of, it's uh, don't corner the employee. <laughs> if it's if it's anybody else in the shop, go for it. We'll rescue you if we need to. But. I've been, there have been so many times where I've been behind the counter and I'm slammed and I'm pouring beer for six people and this guy is in my ear just telling me about the the horse he bet on that lost and it's a 25-minute story and I just don't have the time for it. Well, and most people try to be friendly with everyone. I hate to walk off from someone that's talking, but I find myself, I know the gentleman you're speaking of, and I find myself walking off from a story that he'll be telling because, oh, I need to go check on my wife. A lot of times my wife's with me. Or, hey, I need another drink. Can I get you one? Yeah. And something. I'm convinced that if he actually did purchase a drink, he would probably drown because he couldn't ta- stop talking long enough to drink it. <laughs> but either way, I'm out of the conversation. And it's it's so funny because we talked about the gentlemanly nature of cigars, right? And you don't want to be the guy that just goes, shut up. <laughs> no one's going to do that, but you have to find creative and tactful ways to get out of that conversation. Well, and I mentioned him a moment ago as El Presidente, I always call him. It seems like every shop has one really regular regular. He's the guy that is there almost every time you come to the shop. I don't know. I think he's there when the door opens, and I think he's the last one out when the door closes. And I, it's funny. I call this guy the mayor. Same basic principle, but it's true. And what's so great about this guy is that because he spends so much time there, he's he's kind of the hub. If you ever see a group of guys sitting together in one corner of a shop or another, it's always this guy and whoever else trickled in that day. And he knows everyone, and it's a good way to get introduced around. Once he knows you, whether he likes you or not, he tends to introduce you to everyone. And it's just a great way to get around. It's always a fun person to find, and it's always amazing to me the nature of how you can always find that person within 10 minutes of any shop. It's true because he's 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 the kind of guy that knows everything, typically not the one that's telling you he knows everything, it's just quietly just doing his own thing. Uh, but kind of the reason I call him the mayor as opposed to El Presidente is the fact that a lot of times in some sh- shops that I've been regular at, uh, it'll be the guy that like greets you and shakes your hand and introduces himself the first time you in. I'm just here for a cigar and I'm getting back on the road. No, no, no. Let me show you the shop. Let me. <laughs> well, and this is an important piece of cigar etiquette, and he's the perfect person to take you to it. Look at his cigar. See if the label is on it or not. That's a huge benefit, and it's one of the subtle points of cigar smoking. And I feel like I feel like it's a relatively new part of the experience and part of the etiquette and culture is because up until about five years ago, I never really heard of the whole idea of taking the band off as soon as you light the cigar or before you light the cigar versus you know waiting until it's time to take it off. But it seems like recently there's been this whole you know, uh, polarizing aspect of do you leave the label on or take the label off? And the labels were originally put on cigars because gentlemen that started smoking them would take and they would be wearing white gloves. It was a dress occasion and they wouldn't want to get tobacco stains on their white gloves. 
and that's where labels started. The reason I believe people move toward the labels is the artwork has gotten so intricate. And it's become a way to recognize a cigar instantly. I mean, I can I can tell you from a, a label, even if it's similar to another in the line, unless we're talking about Tatawahe, and then I'm just out. But but the label tells you what cigar it is, e- even if you don't recognize the box or the name or whatever. So why would you remove the label before you ever lit it? What is the thinking? Because I smoke it down to the label. So we talked earlier about... Um, the fact that a, a, a neurosurgeon can sit next to a plumber and they have this commonality and this, the fact that the cigar itself is the enjoyment. And the reason that some people say you should always take the label off is it prevents people from being somewhat elitist in a group setting. So if uh, label whores, you know, you don't want to be sitting there flashing your Padron label next to someone who's smoking something who, that isn't quite exquisite on a Tuesday afternoon when it's clearly not a special occasion kind of thing. So it's an idea of of leveling the playing field. Do you believe that's kind of gone by the wayside in our modern culture as everyone feels a certain level of equality, especially the newer generations seem to Rather than believing to earn respect, they expect respect. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But do you think that's something that's leaving us, that the day will come, everyone's label will be on in the shop, and that'll be it? Well, I'd I'd like to think so. But the thing is, I I only really first heard of this whole label-off trend about five years ago. So honestly, I think at least for the moment, it's still on its way up. But... Hopefully, the the full label-off movement will lead to a fully label-on movement once everyone realizes that no one cares. And the fact that if I see you smoking a cigar with no label on it and it's still five and a half inches long, I'm going to ask you what you're smoking. And let's speak about that for just a second. How far down the cigar should you smoke it? I, you know... I smoke them down to the label, and then as the tobacco heats up the glue on the label, I can take the label off without risking damaging my cigar. But beyond that, how far do you go? Well, and it's it's funny you bring that up because that was a piece of trivia slash advice that you gave me about a year ago that really changed my life from a cigar smoking standpoint. I love the My Father Cigar Factory, everything they make. And my only complaint was ever that I would take the label off and a piece of the wrapper would come with it. And I would always get so frustrated. And you explain that as the heat gets closer to the glue, it relaxes it and allows you to take the label off more easily. That, I've never ripped a wrapper taking a label off since. It's, uh, but once that wrapper is off, I tend to smoke it until it burns my fingers or my lips, whichever comes first. I think it's personal preference is a big part of it. Also, knowing your palate. There's some cigars I smoke them down to the point that I can barely hold on to them. And there are some cigars that I start catching heat. When I start feeling heat on my lips as I draw, that's when I know the cigar is over. That, that for me, is a big thing because then you any flavor that you have developed to that point, you are now losing because you're burning your palate out. So, as we kind of move forward and kind of talk about this show, every week we want to give you a cigar under $8. The cigar you can pick up for less than 8 bucks, usually quite a bit less than 8 bucks. that if you're going fishing, 
and it accidentally falls out of your mouth in the river. You're not going to cry a whole lot about it. And you'll notice when we defined a premium cigar earlier, it had nothing to do with price because price is just a portion of the cigar experience. It has nothing to do with the quality. So this week, as we talk about the cigar under $8, I'm smoking a Hoya Cabaneta. I'm also going to talk about the Hoya Red. I touched on it earlier in the show. Hoya Red, it's a Nicaraguan filler. It's a Nicaraguan binder and a Nicaraguan wrapper. It is a Puro from that standpoint, as much as anything Drew Estates does is a Puro. Drew Estates is not known for their Puros. Puro meaning... All from one area, right? Exactly. I keep using the term Puro, and I want to be sure that I'm not leaving anyone out. (laughs) I know you knew. (laughs) But as we're talking about a Hoya Red, we're talking about a good cigar. It's a medium body, not very light, but not very full. For me, it actually smokes a little lighter, but I smoke a lot of heavy cigars. I really do enjoy a more dark, rich cigar. The thing that makes it up for it for me, though, is the fact that while it's a lighter-bodied cigar, it's not light on flavor at all. And those are two distinctions that I make that maybe not everybody does, is you can have a full-bodied cigar that doesn't taste like anything, and you can have a Connecticut wrapper light-bodied cigar that is just packed full of flavor. And I love the Hoya Red has a really oily wrapper. You can almost feel it. It's almost a tactile sensation. As you feel that wrapper heat up and those natural oils start coming out, I just really enjoy that part of the Hoya Red. They retail about seven bucks. That's for the Gordo. That's for the biggest size they make of them. It's like a six by 60 or (laughs) very close to it. Right in that range. This one's a six by 52 that I'm looking at. Okay. Which, again, eight sixtieths of an inch less than an inch. So it's still a pretty good sized cigar. Absolutely. And they make them in a torpedo. I enjoy smoking a torpedo. I enjoy the concentration of flavor I get out of a torpedo. And I I don't think we have time tonight, but I really want to talk to you about sizes because I am not a torpedo fan at all. So I definitely think we need to revisit that in a future episode. Well, and it's part of developing your palate. It's part of deciding what you do like in a cigar, being self-aware to the point that you know this is really what I enjoy about a cigar I enjoy torpedoes. I don't enjoy a box press. Well, you and I have that in common, actually. So, uh, But I think with that is a good place for us to end on, and we will see you guys back here next week. Uh, in the meantime, Shane, how can everyone get a hold of us? You can always reach us at info at thecigarcast.com. That will take you straight to our email. I really look forward to reading some of your emails and hearing some of your suggestions about the show, especially if you have a topic you would like us to cover, something we missed, someone you'd like to hear us talk to. On social media, we're always facebook.com slash thecigarcast. On Twitter and Instagram, both also thecigarcast. And we look forward to hearing from you, and we will see you next week. 